morning, everybody. It's good to be back at Momentum Church this week with our church family. I missed you all last Sunday, but I heard Pastor Corey brought the house down. Yes. Man, I love it. You can't know how much I love that we've got some incredible preachers on staff. And me too. So that wasn't that funny. So no. But um, today, um, I have a couple announcements I want to make before we get into the Word. Um, a couple things. One is this. On um, the 13th of November, we're going to take up our last offering for the Beyond the Box building project, building campaign offering. You haven't heard us talk much about it, have you? You know, it's one of those things where about a year and a half ago, we had the opportunity to get this facility, and it was a lease purchase agreement. And this is cool. You ready for this? When they first came to us, the church that was here, they wanted about $25,000 for us to go into the agreement with them. And we didn't have $25,000, you know. And within a couple weeks, we call them, hey, we got your money. Come on, that was awesome. Then that board, not our board, that board said, you know, we just, we just want to have confidence. Because they didn't know us, right? I mean, if I looked at half of you, I wouldn't want to give you any money either. I know. All right. And so they wanted to have some confidence. And so they said, no, 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 we want 150000 And my heart sunk. I mean, when they first said it. But I remember thinking to myself, and I just told them, I said, you know what? If that's what you need to satisfy your nervousness, I get that. And um, you know what? This is our building God will provide. And we told you all about it and, and, and just basically opened up the opportunity to start raising some money. And, um, and, man, you guys went nuts, just absolutely crazy. And that's part of why we haven't had to talk about it a whole lot because you've just been so faithful. The idea was that we would have to August 20, uh, 24 months, we'd have to August next year to get our loan lined up. And, and then they gave us a $25,000 incentive. If we could get, it loaned up in, uh, get our loan lined up in, in 18 months, this coming January 31st, we get twenty five grand off. That's good business. Say good business. So we started to pursue that plan. Can I tell you something right now that's so cool? We are about a month and a half shy. I mean, we're not even going to make it to January 31st. We're about a month and a half shy of having our loan all secured. Give God some praise. I'm telling you, here's what's cool about that. Again, we haven't pushed a whole lot. And the thing with it, y'all raised almost a quarter of a million dollars in the last year and a half. That's nuts. I'm like, I keep looking at my wife going, who is this church? And God, man, you know what God's saying? That's Momentum Church. I have my family right there. Look what they can do. And then you guys are doing it. Well, here's the thing. We want one more offering, one more opportunity. If you've already given, if you've already pledged, I'm not asking you to give another dime. All right? This isn't because we've got to have one more big push or we're not getting our loan. That's not what it's about. But if you're here and you've been a part of this family for a shorter season, you're going, that's home to me. I want you to feel equally invested as the rest of us. This is your house. Amen? This is your family, and we want you to feel invested. And so we want you to do on November 13th, prepare the largest sacrificial gift you can give. And when I say large, what does that mean? For some, it might mean 250 bucks. It might mean 100 bucks. For others, it might mean 5000 There was a family that that meant over 60000 that was not my family, okay? So I'm just saying, whatever your heart is, where it's at, we want you to come on November 13th. But, Pastor, if we're that close to already having our loan, why? Well, there's three things that's so exciting. One, there is facility needs that we don't have right now because we're, we're renters in a sense, right? How many, when you got your own house, that wasn't somebody else's bills no more. Those are yours to fix stuff, amen? 
So with that, we want to have some funds set aside just for facility repairs and things like that. Number two, we got in this place, and we didn't do as much stuff as we wanted to do in the kids' ministry areas with painting and just looking good. We didn't do as much stuff as we wanted to do with a cafe. We want to open that wall up to make that foyer nice and big and open where that cafe is. And, and so funds will go for that. Number three, this is exciting. We do need more money to satisfy the company that we're going with, but they're going to allow us to take our money and put part of that into a savings account to hold as collateral until we get a few years of principal paid to be enough for, to satisfy their loan-to-value ratio. Isn't that crazy? People don't do this. And when they do it, they don't say this. And when you put that money in that account, we'll let it earn interest for your future. That doesn't happen. But it's a Christian group with the Assemblies of God that we're partners with. And so they're a group of people that want to see kingdom expansion, not just make money. And so they're going to allow us to do that. So we're excited about this because we'll be able to take a good chunk of money and put it away for the next project. And down the road when it's time to either build or it's time to buy another property for a second campus, when it's time, the finances will already be there in a nest egg starting. I know that's more information than you need, but what I feel is we want to be a transparent place. So I want you to know, how much money do you want? For you to bring on November 13th, all that you have. No, bring all that you can, uh, can you sacrifice. I'm serious. But I don't want you to feel as if we can't get our loan if you don't do that. No, no, we're getting a loan. God's already taking care of this. I just don't want to miss any opportunities that we could do beyond that, all right? Second thing is on Monday, the 24th of October, for us to be able to sign for ourselves and take care of all this stuff, we've got to be out from under the Georgia District of the Assemblies of God. We could have done this years ago, but they've always just let us kind of run like we're independent for ourselves anyhow. And so last spring, our executive advisory team here, we wrote up our constitution and bylaws. We got everything approved from the presbytery of the Assemblies of God. And so we just need to gather our members together on the 24th of October. Our superintendent with the Assemblies will come, and basically we'll be able to have one big quick vote just to embrace our own constitution and bylaws. And that way they're not having to go sign all these papers because it's not their building, it's ours. Hallelujah. So, so with that, we want you, if you're a member, you know who you are, we want you to be at that that event that night, 7 o'clock, real short meeting, and so that way we can take the next steps in, um, in, in what we need to do as a church, all right? I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Psalms chapter 139, 139, and, um, and we'll get started today. So I, I told the first service, it was a little bit awkward because I lost my iPad yesterday. I um, had all my notes for today on it. I was flying back from um, New York, I was at an event there, and um, I left it on the plane. Yeah, so I got up at 5 this morning and kind of reproduced kind of what I had. So, yay. <laughs> you get to hear this. So, so trying to preach, take one. No, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> this is the third week in our freeway series, a not-so-perfect guide to freeway, to freedom. And, and you guys are not-so-perfect people, just like myself. And, um, and this has been incredible. Our small groups have just grown, doubled in size for this event. And I'm so proud of everybody that's wanting to make an investment in their life to walk more in freedom. When it comes to the things of Jesus, listen, he saved you, right? He, he died on a cross so that you could be saved, but he didn't die on a cross just to get you to heaven, you know? That's awesome. Man, he died on the cross to give you victory right here in the earth. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's times where I'm not victorious, amen? And there's times where you're not victorious. And man, this series is a great series because it's helping us to understand that we can be open, 
with God, with each other, and allow God to do a work in our lives of bringing victory. Because that's his heart. That's his desire. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Indeed. You've heard me say that a few times the last few weeks. He's free indeed, and she's free indeed. And so sometimes when it comes to our spiritual walk, we may not feel so free indeed. But over the next few weeks, that's what we're looking at. And last week, Pastor Corey took us into the first step, and that was awareness. And he explained to us how awareness <coughs> decreases when hurriedness increases. The more hurried you are in life, the more awareness decreases. You know that. I know that. You know how I know that? A few weeks ago, I was driving, and I was on the phone because I was hurried, and I was dealing with stuff, trying to fix things and do things, and I went through a stop sign. I rolled through a stop sign. But for some reason, on the ticket, they don't write, rolled, they don't write, almost stopped at stop sign. You know what I mean? Pertinier stopped, sorry, Pertinier, that's something my grandma would say. Pertinier stopped at, at no, 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 no. They, they just, it just was like, you know, this man blew through the stop sign. I did not blow through the stop sign, you know. But I was hurried that day. My mind wasn't there, and I wasn't aware of my circumstance and my presence there. And so the same thing, Pastor Corey was teaching us yesterday that, yeah, y'all are busy, but we don't need to be hurried. We need to slow down and begin to look into our lives, and this seven-week series is designed to do that. And so today we're looking at the next step in the series, and the next step to freedom is discovery. Say discovery. All right, some of your, your favorite channel, I know that, okay. And um, I love the discovery channel, you know. And so discovery, that's the next step. And in order for us to be free, there's some things we need to discover. We, we've got to face some things in our life. Maybe it's a lie that was spoken over your life for so long, and you don't realize that past lie, how it is creating present reality in your marriage, and how you parent, and how you, I'm going to throw something out, you ready? How you eat, that's something for me, okay? You, you don't realize some of those past things. You know, so it's one of those things where we've got to discover. We've got to go face-to-face -face with some of that. Face-to-face, -face, maybe for you, with some unresolved pain. Face-to-face -face with you, with maybe some hurt or abuse from your past. Or how about this, maybe just a careless attitude, you know. You've got to come face-to-face -face with the discovery that, you know what, I walked as a child, I acted like a child, I talked like a child, I did childish things, and I'm getting the fruit of living like a child. You know, you don't give a child car keys, Amen. And so some of you don't walk in all that God has because you've walked childishly, right? And so God's showing you through this process of freedom, you're discovering, man, it's time for me to grow up. And that might be your story. I don't know what it is, but here's the thing that's so good about Jesus. You ready for this? You can trust him with your past. You can trust him with your present. And you can trust him with your future. Now, here's the thing, guys. Listen, I'm coming back from preaching in Mansfield, Ohio, where I was there for almost 11 years. And that is an old-time Pentecostal church. And last week, they preached. They shouted me down a whole lot more than you are today. So I feel a little old school, a little old school up in here today coming. I just, no, I'm teasing, but, but, um. But no, it's one of those things where he is, man. He can trust him. Say, I can trust him. I can't trust myself. And I sure can trust Jesus. And so part of that discovery process is just realizing we can invite Jesus into our lives to start to show us the busted and the broken things. We can discover with him those things on the inside that he wants to bring healing to and those things that he wants us to face. Maybe those things that will scare you to death as you start to face them. He wants that, 
He wants that freedom in our lives to be able to drag things out of the darkest recesses of our heart out into the openness of the light of his truth where he sets us free. That's what God wants. That's what this series is about. That's scary, y'all. How many is a little scared? I mean, that's, I just got kind of chills on my arms because I'm just like, God, that's scary for so many of us here in this room. God, I like the dark. I'm like a mushroom. You know, I flourish in the dark and poop, you know. I'm serious. I, I'm just being honest. I focus on the crap of life. I want, the darkness is where I, that's not a good illustration. Let's not go any further, okay. I'm not. Mushrooms you can kick over so easily, right? Your heart's been kicked over so easy so many times. Maybe relationships, maybe your will. I'm not going to do this anymore. God's saying, yeah, it's time to step free of it, you know. There's, can I just, I'm just going to, I guess I have to keep going there. There's crap that I allowed to overtake my life, you know. And the darkness came and the mushroom grew and, man, I never had the resolve to stay strong enough, you know. God's wanting to make you a tree (laughs) planted beside still waters that your leaves will not wither. And in that season, your fruit will be there and it will be sufficient, Amen. No more mushrooms. That was not in the first service. You just got that from the prophetic unction of the Lord. Of the Lord. So. But listen, that's what God wants for us. He wants us to face those dark things that we've been hiding and bring those out. And, and you know, David, if you think of Scripture, and David, he, he had a lot of dark stuff, didn't he? This is a man who had an adulterous relationship. This is a man that set that woman's husband up to be killed. So in a sense, he was a murderer, okay? But there came a point in his life where God was starting to get a hold of him. There came a point in his life where he said things like this. In Psalms 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way, some translations say any wicked way in me. And I love this. It's not that there's the wicked way he reveals It's that there's the pathway where he takes us from the wicked way. Watch. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Take me from there. Show me a free way, God. Help me not to just be who I've always been. Help me grow stronger in the things of you. And that's what we see here in the scripture. Now, this passage is often used. That part of the passage is quoted by so many. When I started saying it, many of you started finishing that scripture in your head. But it's taken out of context. And the idea here is that he, at the end of this statement, the end of this chapter, this worshipful um, prose that that David wrote, that he's saying, God, search me. But we need to see this in context, you know, because the idea here is that you're almost like inviting God to search. But the thing, when we start to see the scripture, God already knows, right? Hold on, I'm going somewhere with this, all right? The problem with this perspective is that when you look at it in its context, God has already searched you. He already knows you. So the invitation really from David isn't saying, God, search me. David already knows. We'll see that in context in a second. He already knows God knows. The invitation here is not so much inviting God to search us because he already has. The invitation is to say this, God, would you help me know me? Because the truth about me is that I don't really know the truth about me. Why is it that I struggle with what I struggle with? Is it that I just don't care about 
my Lord Jesus? No, no. Is it just that I don't care about my family? Is it just that I don't care about my finances? Is it just that I don't care about my peace of mind? No, no, no. What is it then, God? Help me to understand what's that truth that I don't know about my own self. And so in Psalms 139, you start to see this perspective when you read it from the first verse. Okay, and I'm not going to have you stand up. We're going to do a little exercise in a little bit. I always have you stand a little bit for the day, usually when we read the word, but <clears throat> just stay seated. And as we read this, you know us at Momentum, we read passages of Scripture. I hope you appreciate that. Do you? Okay, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything wrong about any other churches, but, man, one little verse ain't going to do, you know. I, I like for us to get context. And so listen to this. This is so good. It says this. This is how it starts. It says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and you known me. You see that? This is Hebrew poetry in motion. This is David ending this psalm with search me, oh, God, right? But he started it with you have searched me. David, when he gets to the part of search me, oh, God, he already knows that God knows him. He gets to that part, and I believe it's almost like, God, help me know myself. And in knowing myself through your eyes, you will show me that pathway to everlasting things. Isn't that good? So let's just walk down through this. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. Now here's what's amazing about this. This is a man, like I said, who had cheated on his wife. This is a man who had murdered that woman's husband. This is a man who, who had issues. But when he begins to think about God and how God knows all of his stuff, it just, the picture he paints blows my mind. Because I don't know if I paint that picture. I think when I think about God knowing all my stuff, I think, I think, I think shame and I think guilt and I think judgment and I think pain and retribution and I think a lot of things that maybe maybe I don't need to think you know it goes on such knowledge is too wonderful for me it's high I cannot attain it it says you hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence if I ascend to heaven you're there if I make my bed in hell or Sheol you are there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me in other words if I make some bad decisions in the midst of the decisions I can still look to you and you will lead me out you don't run from me in the midst of my bad decisions thank you Jesus if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Man, I thank God for a God that allows us to drag him into some pretty dark places. Amen? I do. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. I felt like the Lord just said something in that. <clears throat> Science has shown brain chemistries. There's people who are prone to alcoholism. Just saying. We were not formed in perfection. Sin already came. And so, yeah, yeah, science has shown there's some things that are formed in us because there's a fallen world and a fallen nature. That doesn't make God bad. It just means sin is that corrupt and that powerful. Does that make sense? 
But when I see this, it's a David going, man, from my womb I was messed up. But you saw me as good. And you have a plan for me. Amen? Somebody here needed to hear that. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I love this. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. And ever since I was a boy, this next passage always blessed me. It says, I awake and I'm still with you. Man, in other words, this whole thing, he's like, it's like a dream, God. And I wake up and it's not a dream. I wake up and this is the reality I get to live in. That my God who sees me in my mess still loves me. That my God, who knows how I've been intricately woven in my mother's womb, the shortcomings and the good stuff and all that, man, he still loves me. And he loves me so much he won't leave me in that mess, but he'll show me a pathway to everlasting life. He'll show me what it means to get my freedom and to walk in my victory, uniquely designed and created for me. Is that good? Man, I'm sorry, but that passage of Scripture has got me a little bit excited today. So the truth is that if I try to face the truth about me without God, it's going to be a disaster. All right. When I start to read that Scripture, I realize I don't face it without God. When I discover the issues I have in my life, I also, through that Scripture, discover the love I have from my God. I discover that he loves me in the midst of that and has a plan to take me out and that healing is, is possible in my life. That's what this whole discovery phase is all about. That's what we're talking about today, all right? Getting you to a place where you just open your eyes and you discover the truth about where, you, where, where God is in your life and how he loves you and in a sense how his healing will come to you as you turn toward him. Remember the first Sunday of the series, turning toward God. That's all he needs is for us to start turning home and he runs to our heart and brings healing to us and restoration. And so I want you to do something for me. Stand up. We're going to do a little exercise. This is going to be fun. Exercise is fun, right? All right. <laughs> so what I want you to do, I want you to close your eyes, all right? And so everybody has their eyes closed. No, you don't open your eyes. No, close your eyes. Stick your right foot in and your right foot out. No, I'm teasing. All right, so keep your eyes open for a second. Stand on your weak foot, whatever that is. All right, keep your eyes. Yeah. I already see some people wobbling. It's okay. All right, you feel that? It's a little, it's not sure, right? Now what I want you to do is I want you to do the same thing, but I want you to close your eyes while you're doing it. Close your eyes. Yeah, falling over. Man, you look like you did Friday night. <laughs> I'm kidding. I tease. But you, you, you feel, you, it's hard when your eyes are closed like that, right? It's hard to keep your balance. Now, open your eyes. What I, want, I, want, I want a couple people to come up here. John Casperson, come up here and help me out. And, um, yeah, yeah. Let's get Mitch up here. Come up here, Mitch. All right, so let's do it over on this side. I don't know why, I just want to do it on this side. Okay, so what I want you guys to do is stand kind of close to me and just slowly walk around. Not that close. Just slowly walk around. <laughs> get your hand off my butt. <laughs> no, all right. <laughs> all right, so, so basically just a circle. You guys face me and just you're going to make a circle around me, okay? So I'm going to close my eyes and you're just going to walk around me, okay? So it makes it hard for me, but like you guys, you were trying to settle yourself, you know, by holding on to the chair. So I, <laughs> I need help. You're running from me. Oh, did you want help? Yes, I need. 
my beer never runs from me. No, I'm, I'm letting a cat out of the bag. So basically, if these guys weren't such, um, yeah, if they were helping me. So basically, as they're going around, I start to feel that dizziness, and I reach, I reach to be stable, okay? In therapy, no, we're okay. In therapy and psychology, they call that medicators, okay? These are my medication. And I self-medicate, okay? Because I have my eyes closed, and I start to feel that unbalance, and I reach for what I need to reach for to settle me. Does that make sense? Go ahead and have a seat. Now, I don't know. You all can have a seat. I don't know what your medicator is, okay? I just don't know what it is. I know what my medicator is, you know. But when it comes down to it, okay, it's more difficult to figure out this balance when your eyes are closed. And you try to grab for support, and you look for those medicators. So I don't know what it is that you reach out for for balance in your life. But when you feel like you're about to crash, every one of us has a medicator, you know. Every one of us. And the thing about that medication is it kind of takes different forms. For some folks, that medication might be actually a substance like alcohol or a drug. For others, it might be literally sex or, or pornography. For some folks, I'm just going to be really honest, you know my struggle, it's food. Ooh, I love me food. I go to, I go to cookies like an addict to crack, you know. I'm serious. It's bad. It's bad. And here's the thing. I find my equilibrium, and I can tell you I'll feel it. And I can go to racetrack and buy myself a Coke Zero, and there's something about it. When I take that sip of Coke Zero, my endorphins, they just go off in my head. Now, I'm in tune to that now, you know, because I haven't had it for a long time. And, and every day I want a Coke Zero, but I can't because when those endorphins go off in my head and I feel that, you know what really makes you feel? Potato chips to go with that. I'm just being honest. And so here's the thing about that. Now, please don't trivialize that. My church people that you've been with me a long time, you know I'm not trivializing this. I was almost 300 pounds last January, okay? And I'm not anymore. Come on. Woo! I still got about 40, maybe 45 to go. But, um, but you know, I was over 100 pounds I was trying to lose, you know? And I'm getting there. But the thing is, ah, oh, that feels so good when I medicate. It does, you know? And, and, and the thing about it, the Bible does call the medicator something else. The Bible doesn't call the medicators medication, okay? The Bible calls the medicators, you ready for this? An idol. An idol. And so as I feel that unbalance, I reach for my idols. So can I just say it that way? That thing that holds you captive, that thing that you reach for when your eyes are closed and you feel unbalanced, that's an idol in your life. Anything you look to in life to give you something that only God is designed to give you is an idol. And for me, my idols are delicious, being honest. And here's how, how crazy the enemy is, okay? I'm on a, a victory, I'm going well, and I got to go back home last week. And so I'm on my way home to preach at my home church and to marry our goddaughter, and we're going to be with my family for about four days, and I call my mama, and I'm like, mama, I can't wait to get home. Oh, are you looking forward to it, honey? And I'm like, I am. And she said, I've been cooking for days. I felt the anointing. I mean, Everything within me, all my receptors start popping. I mean, I'm, this is it. I'm ready for this, you know. And um, she said, I've been cooking for days. And, and so with that, I was like, oh, Mom. I said, you know, I've been really working hard. And, she, and all of a sudden, she said, I made four pies. 
That's what she says. And all this other food she's talking about. And I said, Mom, listen, I, I, can't, I can't eat all that when I come home. I said, you know, I, I, I've been on a regimen. i got to be careful. And, and here's what she says. She said, oh, honey, now don't worry about it. You just get up here and have a good time and enjoy yourself. And then when you go home, you can get serious again about eating right, you know. And I thought, the devil's in my mama. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. And, um, and, but she was just as, as, she was as genuine in her heart saying that as she possibly could be. Because that's how I grew up, you know. You know, it's like, oh, you had a rough day. Here's, some, here's half a box of Cap'n Crunch. I'm serious, you know. Oh, my boy, he drinks two gallons of milk a day. Yes, and I was as wide as I was tall, you know. But my mama, she didn't care. She just said, I love you, honey. I love you. Just love you, you know. I was a chubby little kid. And so that's my mother. And I told mom, I said, Mom, I'm going to eat one piece of pie the whole week I'm there. I'm going to eat one piece of pie the whole four days I'm there. And so I had myself a piece of buttermilk pie. Now, they had dessert every day. But Amy can be a witness. I have one piece of buttermilk pie. Now, it was about that big. It was a little big. And she did scold me, didn't you? She did. She's like, baby, I don't know. That, that, that seemed like sin to me. And, uh, <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't, but it was the two glasses of sweet tea I drank with the buttermilk pie. I'm going to be honest. I thought I was going to die. I did. I'm serious. It was, I was having DTs and everything. It was horrible. And so, but when it came down to it, you know, mother, she just created an environment of my past where that just seems like the thing you do. You sell. So you're sad, you eat, you celebrate, you eat. It, didn't, it doesn't matter, you know. It's like weight is coming on my body if I'm sad or if I'm happy, you know. And that's been that struggle my whole life, you know. And so it's a medicator. But for me, my mother helped do that. And so here in a second, we're going to see that first step that we need to move into. But let me say first to you, what I want to talk about is that idea of having your eyes open, okay? Because when you close your eyes, you reach for your medicator. You just do. And for me, it's food. And this year has been a year of awareness, like Pastor Corey said last week. And it's been a year of discovery, or I wouldn't be walking in the victory I'm walking in. And so what I want to talk today is about how to get your eyes open. Is that okay? So the first step to getting your eyes open with this is this. It's wisdom. The first thing you need to enter discovery, that phase, is wisdom. I believe it takes wisdom, courage, and faith to walk in discovery. And so that first thing is wisdom, and it's wisdom to face the past. It's wisdom. Like in my life, it was me realizing that I celebrate with food and I commiserate with food. But there's always food. You know, ergo the crumbs in my bed. You got crumbs in your bed, got a problem. Just being honest, okay? And we'd be like, what in the world? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> don't look at me, I'm idiot. No. But I had a problem, you know? And so when it comes down to it, this idea, looking at the past, that's the first thing, is to have wisdom to look at your past. Ever wonder why when you think about the things you repeat and you continue to make mistakes over and over, why you do that? You, you could dismiss it and say, well, it's lack of discipline. Yeah, I get that, you know. You could say you just don't love Jesus enough to get victory. I don't know. I know a lot of addicts that love Jesus with all their heart. They're, you're here today, some of you. You love Jesus with all your heart. You just struggle to do right. So I'm not going to say it's that, you know. Um, I think when, I think sometimes it's too like, well, you just don't want it bad enough, you know. Man, that, that's almost abusive when you tell an addict that. You know what I mean? 
Some of you in here that are addicts are thankful I said that, you know. But just being honest. And so when you keep struggling in your life and you don't see any change, here, here's the question you need to ask. What am I holding on to from my past? God, give me wisdom to open my eyes and see what it is that's creating this. Your past is not your past if it's still impacting your present. That's the thing. So listen, whether your pain is close to the surface or whether it is buried deep down inside of you, if it's not properly dealt with, it always is going to cripple you in becoming the person that God created you to become. And so crippled things, you know what they need? They don't need judgment. Crippled things need healing. So God, give me the wisdom to see what's crippled in my life. Give me the wisdom to see why I struggle with what I struggle. And then here in a little bit, we're going to see the end result. God, bring healing. I don't want to jump ahead to that too much. But, but God, that I'm crippled. This thing has me captive. And every one of us in this room, you need healing in your life. Amen? And so if you haven't dealt with that hurt from your past, it's going to impact everything. And one of the biggest lies that we buy into as human beings is this. We think the pain of the past, but we can isolate it, and we can keep ourselves from allowing that pain from the past to hurt our present. And so somehow in our mind, we think that that pain that causes us at times to struggle and not be free, somehow we have this mindset, it's not going to affect our marriage. It's not going to affect how we handle our finances, or it's not going to affect how we handle our parenting, or it's not going to affect how we relate to different people. It's not going to. Listen, all that is you. It's all in there. You can't isolate. It's going to affect other things. Amen? Amy can attest to you, at least with me, when I lose physical discipline, I lose spiritual discipline. I just do. You know, when I lose physical discipline, I get lazy around the house. And it's not just because of weight loss. It's because I don't freaking care. I'm sorry. Don't hear that, Amy. And use that against me. Okay? <laughs> it's just the truth, you know. Crap, the truth hurts. I hate that. And so if you don't learn to see that pain be transformed in your life, what will happen is that pain will transfer in your life. If you don't transform it, it'll transfer. I'm just being honest. It'll go into other areas. That's what that does, all right? So you, you ever respond to something in life inside of maybe a relationship and you wondered why or how or what made you respond so intensely? You know, you're in a situation, it's such an intense thing, it's over the top. And the reason why is because it's not that situation. It's all the other stuff that this isolation can't keep you from. And it bleeds in, and it multiplies, and now this is huger than you ever thought. This is bigger than you ever thought. This is deeper and more life-controlling than you ever thought, because all that stuff has a way of multiplying in our lives. So, so when we're dealing with some really serious stuff here, whether it's secret sin, okay, maybe it's a broken marriage that you've been through, maybe it's um, a sexual abuse type thing where you were abused, I mean, all that stuff has a way of manifesting and showing up in other areas. Amen? And we've got to discover that. You know, and have that mindset of wisdom to realize there's no way that doesn't affect my present. My past will affect my present. So that's part of the discovery is to have the wisdom to open your eyes and to connect the dots. 
And so I'm going to ask you this week that the Lord will begin to show you how to connect some of those dots and begin facing your past honestly. Now, if that's where it ends, that'd be horrible, all right, because we just feel miserable and we've got to keep moving forward. So the next thing in this discovery process is the need to enter into courage. So you have just the discovery of, of, of wisdom, God. Give me the wisdom to connect the dots. And now give me courage to face this, to face the presence. The wisdom aspect of discovery deals with the past. The courage aspect, aspect deals with right now and the present. Help me, God, to deal with this. And so the second thing that you need to do with that idea of courage, the second thing leading into that is to this, all right? It, it, it's to believe this or to own this or to feel this is valid. And I'm going to have you repeat it after me. Say this. Say, it's okay to not be okay. Can you say that again? It's okay to not be okay. And some people, when I said that and you repeat it, it was just like, it is? Really? Oh. I hope that kind of already started putting some hope in your heart. And then there's other people. Maybe you've been bent toward legalism all your life, and you hear this. And even though you know there's things in your life, we're always harder when we judge others than when we judge ourselves. Come on. And you say, but pastor, you're just preaching easy, greasy, great. No, 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 no. We're going toward healing here, people. I'm not saying that that's just my past. No, no. I'm saying have courage to let God deal with it. But it's okay. This is where we start. It's okay to not be okay. Now, here's the thing about that, all right? If we really believe that, then we would see that present in our Christian walks, okay? That sense of feeling. But, but what doesn't come easy, here's the thing. That doesn't come easy to say, well, it's okay, you know. What does come easy is this, denial. And so as a Christian, here, I guess what I'm trying to say is this. That we'll say it's okay to not be okay, but a lot of times in the church, folk have this mindset. It's okay to not be okay before you're a Christian. Okay. But now you're a Christian, so it's not okay to not be okay now. You know? Now you've got to be the image of Christ. Perfected. And if you're not, then what do you do? Denial. Is that awesome? And so what happens is you get the environment, and I'm so glad Momentum Church does not have this environment. Part of this series, I think, is lost on us a little because we are an open place. Amen? We are a place where we recognize this already. So we've got a little heads up here, a little step forward here than some folk. But the thing is, um, it's, it's, it's one of those things to where some environments, it lent toward this. Well, how are you doing today? And the, day was the week was horrible. And the person's like, I'm blessed and highly favored, glory to God. And the wife of that man is standing there going, you smacked me this week. Blessed and highly favored my freaking foot. You see, you see what I'm saying? But that denial and living that life to where it's like, I, I need to let people see what I want them to see. And I'm okay. But deep down on the inside, no, no, you're not okay. You need the courage to face that. And the Bible says we confess our faults one to another. I need somebody in my life that I can come clean with. Boy, I don't know if I've ever said this from a pulpit, but I'm going to say it to you guys. Can I say something really, really open? In my early 20s, there's 20-year-old men here, young 20-years-old men. Can I tell you something that you have? Look at me. Lust. Period. You've got it. We all got it. But I mean, in my early 20s, I remember thinking, and, and I'll be honest, I struggled. 
And, and I went to my, my, my pastor. I didn't realize this. And I said, Pastor, I said, you know, it's not something I practice. It's not something. But I said, I saw pornography this week. And Pastor Blair looked at me like, you're, sh- you're telling me this? And I'm like, and he said, I said, what's wrong? And he's like, do you realize? Now, they've changed this, thank God. But at that time, he goes, do you realize you just telling me that? If I wanted to, the church, you, you would lose your job right now. And I'm like, Pastor, I'm not addicted. I, I'm just saying that I had struggled this week, and that's not so. I thought that's something that, you know, years ago when I was a teen, and you don't worry about it anymore, you're married, you know. And here this thing just popped up out of the blue, this temptation. And he starts weeping. And we started talking about it. And there is power in the telling people. And here's what I told Pastor, though. I said, Pastor, I didn't realize that. I, I, I mean, I didn't realize this. I mean, I knew the level of, it wasn't an addiction. It was a struggle. And I, and I said, Are you, if I stay quiet about that, I won't be in ministry in my 40s and 50s and, and 60s and 70s. You know, I, I need victory in this. And we prayed and cried together. And, and man, to this day, I'm accountable to that man in that area. Isn't that cool? So if you look down on me, I don't, you can go to hell. I don't care. No, I'm teasing. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I'm kidding. I tease because I love, okay? I just, that's the second time I've said that in my whole ministry, okay? And um, first time it didn't go so good. So please, come, if you're a guest, please come back. Please come back. I just want you to have in your heart an openness to be real. Is that cool? And man, as a 21, 22-year-old kid, it, I, I mean, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I had to have courage to say that. I didn't even know, I was just too young and dumb to not know you shouldn't talk, you know. I just wanted help. I didn't want that to be life-controlling. Amen? Amen. And so, now I never told him a thing about the ho-hos I hid in my desk. <laughs> I'm serious. That was a whole other ball game. <laughs> and obviously, that's a struggle all these years. Why? Because it was tolerable. Does that make sense? I'm just being honest. That's something that is tolerable. And last January, as I was preaching to you, man, the Lord just convicted me of that. That diet for me cannot be tolerable. It was becoming an idol. So, all right, I got to keep preaching, but, but um, I, I'm going to stop meddling in my own life. Get back to meddling in y'all's. And so when it comes to the church, we have unintentionally communicated that. It's, it's okay to not be okay before you're a Christian, but not after. And so um, we say, I'm fine, I'm good, when... There's things that we're struggling with. And so, no, no, no. Listen, the whole bunch of us, there's things that we're dealing with that we need freedom in. And it may just be a lie that was spoken over your life that you've held as truth, and it's beginning to shape your identity. I, I don't know what it is, all right? You don't feel like you have to have a testimony. You know, you have to have some dark, deep. You may not. Praise God if you don't. We're so thrilled for you, you know, all right? But just be sure you're not in denial. And so some of you, whatever it might be, you're hurting, you're lonely, whatever it is, do you really want to change or do you just want that appearance that you're trying to change, you know? Because denial, will, you either deny or you just kind of try to appear, you stay quiet about stuff. No, no, if you want change, you find help. And I'm not saying those journey groups were just blabbing everything out, you know, but these freedom groups during this season, it is a season where, man, people are starting to share and if not in the group, later they're sharing. It's a powerful thing, you know, because I don't want just the appearance of trying to change. I want to change. I'm sorry. I'm using Amy's iPad because I lost mine. And I just, hold on here. It's a little bit different here. What just happened? Oh, there it is. 
So when it comes to seeing true life transformation inside the church, we have to get to a place where our desire to transform is greater than our desire to hide. Does that make sense? As long as your desire to hide is greater than your desire for transformation, transformation is not going to happen. Think of Adam and Eve when they fail in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. It says that their eyes were opened. Why? Because their eyes were closed, right? When their eyes opened, they knew they were naked, but they closed their eyes again. They, they didn't go with that openness and that awareness and deal with their nakedness. They began to sew fig leaves together. That was their self-medication. They grabbed some fig leaves and said, I'm naked. And they began to self-medicate and to cover their own stuff and to walk, if you will, in denial. That's why God had to come looking for them. That statement of, Adam, where are you? wasn't because God didn't know where he was. It was, are you in denial, Adam? Search me, oh God. Do you see the difference between David and Adam? David's saying, God, search me. I know I'm a mess. Search me. Help me to know me. But Adam, I'm going to cover myself up. I'm going to hide amongst the bushes here. And God's going, where are you, Adam? Where are you? And so what happens is you have to have that courage to open your eyes and take a real look at what's happened in the past and what is happening in the present because of that. And often that first immediate feeling you're going to have is that of shame. All right? Because that's what Adam and Eve face. They face shame, and they're going to try to cover it themselves. And then God comes pursuing them, and they had to deal with it in a much healthier way. And so they open their eyes. They cover themselves. Then God comes and begins to draw with his love and draw with his fellowship that out of them to bring healing to their sin. And, and the thing about that is the reason why it's so important to continue to move on is because if you feel guilty and you feel shamed, that's not enough for change. Listen to this. Guilt and shame do not have the power to change you. Okay? They don't. I know of accountability groups where the guy's like, yeah, I messed up this week. And the other guy goes, yeah, me too. And the other guy goes, yeah, me too. And we all feel like crud. All right, see you next week. And that's as far as it goes. No, 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 no. That guilt and shame needs to take you someplace. So I just want you to have the courage to open your eyes and be honest. And if you have guilt and shame, that's beautiful. Don't close your eyes again and start grabbing the medicators. Keep your eyes open and go to the final step, and that is this, faith. The third step in the discovery is just faith. To enter in discovery, you need to believe that healing is possible. Faith is that, 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 that ability to say, God, I trust you. I don't trust me, but I trust you. I know healing is going to happen in my future. I know deliverance is going to happen in my future. I know victory is going to happen in my future. And you need to have the wisdom to face the past. That's that wisdom. You need to have the courage to face the present, but then have the faith that healing is going to happen in your future. Amen? Can we stand to our feet as I close and so with that, a lot of times we don't have faith because we know not to have faith in us. I get that. I don't have faith in myself. I've got to monitor and even got to not buy stuff and have stuff around my house. And when I was gone the last two days in New York, oh, my gosh, I thought I was going to die. But I made good choices. I told a few people when I first got there that I'm a little bit closer to than I know about what my journey looks like right now. And I said, I need you to help me be accountable. And they did, you know. And that was good. I needed that, okay, because there's power in the telling. Say that. There's power in the telling, okay? So I don't have faith in myself, but I do have faith in God, right? That makes sense. And so here's why I have faith in God. Number one, I have faith in God because I know he loves me. Not the me that I project, not the me that I hope I can aspire to be, 
but me that's a schlep, you know, he loves me. And he loves you the same way. So that's the first thing. And then, two, I know healing is possible. I've seen God do miraculous works in other people. So if he's done it for one, he can do it for me. So I know healing is possible. And so no matter what you're going through, have faith that he loves you and that he wants to bring healing or deliverance or victory or freedom, however you want to list it or label it, all right? Don't think to yourself that anyone can drift so far that God's love and healing can't reach you, you know? Even in the midst of your darkest sin and your darkest moments of transgression, your screw-up was not a surprise to him. Isn't that good? He's not ever going, do you know what Ross did? Oh, my gosh, didn't see that coming. He never does that, you know. He loves you. He cannot love you any more or any less, even in those moments of sin. Allow that to begin to rest upon you. And then realize, yes, he does love me, but he doesn't love me so much because it wouldn't be love. He doesn't love me in such a way, I should say, that he's not going to heal me. So it's not greasy grace. It doesn't matter if we ever change. No, no, no. God's grace, he loves me, but he wants to heal me. God's grace, he loves me, and he wants to deliver me. God's grace, he loves me, and he wants to set you free. Amen? Is that good stuff? It's his love. And yes, you're still standing. I had you stand up a little bit earlier than I wanted, but that's okay. I've stood this whole time, twice. So when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, <laughs> this sin problem or brokenness or whatever it is, that's why Jesus came. It wasn't just for you to go to heaven. He came to give life and make life abundant. That's here. All right? And guess why he came? He came to be a physician to the sick. He came to bring healing, and that's for you. Amen? The Bible says the healing is the bread of the children, God's children. It's your bread. It's what you get access to. And so on the cross, he took on all of that so that we could have a story of redemption and so that we could have a story of freedom. He took on all of that because he loves us so deeply. He loves us so much, it says it this way. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Say, I'm a conqueror. Through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You could add in there, nor, nor gluttony, nor pornography, nor, nor anger, nor uh, materialism, whatever you want. It's not going to separate you from the love of God. God is bigger than that. And as I close, let me just tell you one neat little story. This is so cool. This event I went to was for the hearing company, the company, that Oticon Medical, that makes my hearing device. And I got to ask. They had 2,500 people last year got this device, and they invited, I think it was 15 of us, to a special event this last Friday and Saturday. It was so cool. And, um, and so when we were there, a lot of the people that were there had their children with them, and a lot of these children had microtia. Have you ever heard of microtia? It, it's, it means, I think, actually, I think it means little ears is what it means. And these little ears, they just don't, they're not, they just don't even develop on the side of, they're just nothing, you know. And, um, and with that, they don't hear. They have to have this because they hear inside, you know, but not, they can't hear through this. And there's a young girl named Sarah. She's Chinese. And Angela, the woman that helped me so much discover this company and such online, she had kids almost out of the house, and her and her husband of colonel that was fixing to retire and decided not to, they got in their heart to adopt a little girl with microtia from China, 
okay? She was seven years old. Now listen to this. This is, this is, this is love. This little girl, when they finally went to get her, and they knew she had these little ears. You know, they knew she had not really heard most of her life. And when they went to get her, they had a video of her coming out. You're my mama, they taught her to say. Oh, my gosh, we're all crying. But she told her own story before they showed the video. And what her story was, four other families came to adopt her at the orphanage from the time she was a baby to the time she was that age, you know. And every one of the families... The kids in the orphanage had told her the dogs had eaten off her ears. All sorts of torment. And every one of those families, four families had come, and when they saw her ears, they didn't want her. But Angela and Colonel Dennis, those two, that was their baby. You know, they didn't care there was deformity. That's who God had created for them, just as she was. And this little girl is brilliant. She's 17 years old. She speaks Mandarin now. She speaks um, English. She signs. She's going to Rochester Institute of Technology because she's a brilliant person. She, she runs and wins everything she runs. She's just an amazing girl. And when I heard it, I thought, that, that's how my heart and your hearts are. We're deformed in some ways, and we need healing. And it doesn't matter what the healing looks like on the physical side. Because for her, the healing looks like this. She wears two of them. Okay? Her ears are still small and tiny. And they created new ones. But they don't work. They're not functioning. A lot of people in that community, they just stay little and they get these. And you can hear. But it's not about that. It's about that healing deep down on the inside. And that little girl's heart was healed. Because she's got a mommy and daddy that love her. And she's a conqueror in everything that she does. God bless little Sarah. And all I'm saying to you is you may feel deformed. You may feel like, yeah, it's hard for me to hear the voice of God. It's hard for me to understand why I've been put in this position. It's, man, God loves you. And you're more than a conqueror because of that. And discover, can you close your eyes as I pray? Let God help you to discover the wisdom to connect the dots regarding your past. Let God give you the discovery of the courage you need to face your present. And then allow God to open your eyes to discover and embrace that faith you need to believe God will heal you. Not because you're anything other than loved. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.